are listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel on this September the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And for the last hour, I was with Microsoft on the phone trying to get things working with our microphone and such, and they weren't able to fix it, so I got to phone them back. So I'm on the phone right now, and we're taking a look at the hymn, Lord of Glory, You Have Bought Us. It was written by Eliza S. Elderson. She died in 1889, and she was convinced that Christians owed a tithe as a debt to God and to the poor who needed it. Therefore, the profound connection between offerings to God and care for the neighbor is reflected in this hymn, which we will be taking a look at with Pastor Mark Smith. I love the tune, don't you? Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good, long-standing hymn. I remember singing it all the way from my youth. Yes. So it's one that Lord I use a lot. Lord, you have bought us. I didn't know the background of the woman who wrote it, but um, now we do. And we'll have to take a look at it to see how she makes it. It's kind of a stewardship hymn, isn't it? Yes, it is. It sure is. Even though it's, listed under, the, it's listed under the section of society. Yes, exactly. Without further ado, would you do stanza one? Sure will. Lord of glory, you have bought us with your lifeblood as the price, never grudging for the lost ones that tremendous sacrifice, and with that have freely given blessings countless as the sand to the unthankful and the evil with your own unsparing hand. So, that first stanza really shows that our faith comes from no one but the Lord of glory. And who would the Lord of glory be? Jesus. Yes, because with your lifeblood as the price. That's right. Now, I mentioned in church last Sunday, let's say a non-Christian walked into church, and it was a communion Sunday, and they were watching, and people were coming up, Take eat, this is the body of Christ. Take drink, this is the blood of Christ. They would not understand that at all, would they? No. I remember the story of uh, some Russian uh, Russian students that came into a cathedral, and they pointed up to the crucifix, and they asked the question, and they were they were sincere about this. They just didn't know. They said, "Who is is that Spartacus?" <laughs> yes. It's hard to yeah. imagine that people could, you know, that they could be, uh, you know, that that much in the dark about the gospel, about about the crucifixion in Christ. Well, you know that there is a practice among a number of so-called Christian churches that they take the cross out of the sanctuary. Oh, I know. I know. I've heard about this. These liberal congregations that take the yep. take the crucifix or take the cross down because they don't want to offend anybody. Can you imagine that? Exactly. Yeah, offense trumps truth once more. Right. And we're 
living in a society where offense trumps truth. So it says you have bought us with your lifeblood. How do we help youth confirmands and adult confirmands this idea bought us? Well, he had to he had to buy us. He had to redeem us yes. uh, back from you know buy us back from the devil. Essentially, we were you know we belonged to Satan's kingdom. We were uh, poor miserable sinners, and uh, he had to he had to buy us back from Satan's kingdom. And he paid he paid for us dearly, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his suffering and 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 innocent death. Um, Let's see, what was I going to say in connection with that? Um, Well, he was called the Redeemer. Right. Oh, his blood has infinite value. You know, the the blood of the Son of God, as as anyone would think, has, has infinite value. And, uh, and only, only his blood could buy back people of the whole world and of all time, even the scoundrels that never even believe in him. They have been redeemed by his holy, precious blood. Yes. The idea of redemption comes from that idea that was when a slave was able to go to freedom because an amount was paid for his freedom. And Jesus is our Redeemer, having paid for us by means of his blood, so that our blood need never be shed. That's right. Yeah, the whole idea, and I preached on this last week, never grudging for the lost ones. When Jesus became incarnate, you can't think of an occasion when he was not subservient to his father. He did whatever his father asked. And that was a great act, not only of humility, but of obedience. Yeah, in fact, uh, I I can never recall Jesus not once uh, resenting the price that he paid. He gladly went to the cross. And that's why he became incarnate, because only a human being can pay for the sins of another human being. And it took a human being who had no sin at all. That's why he was obedient to the Father. And he says a number of times, I must do the work of my Father, and my Father has told me to say these things. So he learned that from reading the Old Testament. He knew that he was going to be crucified because Psalm 22 pierced in hands and feet. He knew he was going to be whipped and spit at because of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 50 through 53 has a lot of the crucifixion within it, and it's well worth an individual's reading of it. That's right. Yeah, you. I think I think Isaiah fifty three is called the Gospel of the Old Testament. Um, I was going to say, Tom. You, you know, you said yourself that uh, only a human being could die for another human being, but there is only one human being who was God and man at the same time, 
only Jesus is the only human being because he was God and man who could atone for the sins of the whole world. Nobody else could because nobody else was uh, without sin. No except other human being was Adam, without sin. Except for Adam and Eve prior to the fall. Prior to the but fall. They, but of course, could not, know that, <laughs> they, they could not they, atone for the sin because there was no sin. That's right. So that's what we're going to be like in heaven, like Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. So she goes on. And with that tremendous sacrifice, he has freely given blessings countless as the sand. To, and here's the point you were making earlier, to the unthankful and the evil with your own unsparing hand. So are you saying that the people who crucified Jesus, their sins were also paid for? Absolutely. And not only that, yeah, every last sin that's ever been committed, every last sin, even the, the, the most darkest, most crimson sins of history have been atoned for by Christ. All of them. Every last one of them. Not only that, but blessings as countless as the sand. Tom, it says in the scripture, his rain, rain falls upon the just as well as the unjust. You know, there are countless blessings that, that the unbelievers get every day. God doesn't right. forget about them either. Exactly. So some people will ask, well, if their sins were forgiven on the cross, how come they're not going to heaven? It's it, the, the the offering, the gift is freely offered them. Salvation is freely offered by Jesus to all people, but they don't accept it. They don't they reject it by unbelief. He won't force it down their throat. He offers it gladly and cheerfully and freely. No you know, no strings attached, but he's not going to force them into his kingdom. If they reject it by unbelief uh, until death, they are not, you know, they're not saved. Yes. One of our listeners who is a pastor contacted me and said that his congregation, which he just got to, was really excited in the Bible study because he began talking about the distinction between objective and subjective justification as though they never had heard that before. Well, yeah, what is right. that? Well, objective justification is the idea that all sins have been atoned for, that yeah. everybody has been everybody has been justified by Jesus' death on the cross. Everybody. But subjective justification teaches us that only those who accept that absolutely free gift, only those that accept that, uh, or receive it by faith are saved. So not not everybody who's been uh, justified, redeemed by the cross, will finally be saved. They, they're uh, only those that believe will be saved finally, ultimately. Yes. Because salvation is not through meritorious works, but it is inherited through faith in the promises of Jesus Christ. Right. Okay, stanza two, please. Grant us hearts, dear Lord, to give you gladly, freely of your own. With the sunshine of your goodness, melt 
our thankless hearts of stone, till our cold and selfish natures, warmed by you, at length believe that more happy and more blessed tis to give than to receive. Now, here she's starting to build up the case as to the Christian life is one which gives to those in need. Well, we've known a number of people. I, I've known millionaires that really give a lot to these causes of their own money. And then there are those millionaires who spend it on big boats or airplanes and this sort of thing instead of thinking about the poor. So this is, in a sense, a stewardship hymn because we give not in order to get to heaven. But what does she say specifically? Till our cold and selfish natures warmed by you at length believe. That's why we encourage people to go to church. Because the more they go to church, the stronger becomes their faith. The more they are warmed by God. And they are therefore doing those things that God so desires. That's right. So, and they and they learned it's by the power of the gospel. People warmed by the gospel, they're motivated to to understand that it's it's more happy and more blessed to give than to receive. They're motivated by the gospel to give. They realize yeah. they realize that when they, when they give to the poor needy, they're they're giving to, to Christ. Yes. It's something that people can be glad to give for the wrong reason. For example, when your kids were growing up, didn't you buy them presents at Christmas and you were really eager to see their faces as they open up those presents because yes, it right. was maybe what they had asked for, etc. Yes. Yeah, that was one. That's one of the joys of parenting, is to uh, is Christmas shopping for your kids. <laughs> oh, it really is a joy. It really is a joy because, especially when you know that they they really really want something, and they just you you can't wait to see the look on their faces when they open that gift. Yeah, there was a game that you played on the television, and all the stores were out of it. But then there was this one store that advertised it had about 10 copies left. So it was my daughter-in-law who wanted it. And what I did is I went to the store at 4 in the morning, and it was snowing, etc. And I was about the fifth in line. I wasn't even first. No kidding. So when those doors opened, I went right up to where I knew they were selling it and was able to buy one. And you should have seen how happy she was when she had received that. Well, because bet, yes. you couldn't get it anywhere else. That's this right. is a real problem, by the way. I just read an article that store shelves are almost being emptied these days because they don't have the drivers to drive people. They don't have the workers to put them together. And so the virus is really making an impact on not having items that you usually look forward to. That's right. So, 
at not just store shelves, but even car lots. Yep. Stanza three, I'll read. Wondrous honor you have given to our humblest charity. In your own mysterious sentence, you have done it all to me. Can it be, O gracious master, that you deign for alms to sue, saying by your poor and needy, give as I have given to you? Now, what is she quoting when she says that you have done it all to me? Um, uh, let's see, that's that, uh, where, where Jesus says that, Inasmuch as ye have done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, yes. you have and done it unto me. Yes. The parable of the sheep and the goats. Right. And that was something the sheep had not recognized. So we Christians do a lot of good works that are not obvious to us. Yeah. But there is that phrase that you need to explain because children won't understand it. That you deign for alms to sue. Wow. What would be a better way of saying that? And you give that question to me, don't you? Isn't that kind of you, Tom, to give me that most difficult verse? No, basically what what he is saying uh, in in this verse is, Can it be, O gracious Master, you to whom the whole universe belongs, that you... That you lower yourself to to sue me for alms. In other words, that you uh, lay it upon me to uh, to give alms. You know, you ask for alms of me, you to whom everything belongs. Can that be? Can that really be? Yes, it can, because uh, he's saying. Uh, he's saying in behalf of the poor and, me- and, and the poor and needy, "Give as I have given to you." See, well said. He he, he gladly he gladly places that uh, upon us that you know uh, this is what I expect you to do, and uh, and we gladly do it. We gladly do it because we do it free, gladly and freely of the gospel. It's it's pure pleasure. When whenever we see whenever we see a person that is in need, we should think yeah. of that as being that's we should think of that as being Christ Himself that we're giving to. As I look at that, you deign for alms to sue. I kind of retranslate that as you request for funds to be received by others. Yes. Same by your poor and needy. Give as I have given to you. And see, the motivation is not to get something, but it is in light of the fact we've already have been given something. That's right. The forgiveness of sins and heaven as our home. Would you read stanza four? Lord of glory, you have bought us with your lifeblood as the price never grudging for the lost ones that tremendous sacrifice. Give us faith to trust you boldly, hope to stay our souls on you, but, O blessed of, but, O best of all your graces, 
with your love, our love renew. Now, that's really, that last line is good. That Yeah, that's, you know, that's changed from the previous, you know, when it was printed in the old Lutheran hymnal. And I'm trying to think how, how it was put then. But it's, it, I, I, it seems to have been changed some, that last line. I wonder why they changed that. Well, without knowing what the change was, I don't know. Yeah. But taking that look at the last line, with your love, our love renew. That reminds me of a Bible verse that we love others because he loved us first. Right. You got to get that word first in there. That's right. And that's why we have that kind of thing. I enjoy looking at uh, rock concerts, and uh, my favorites are the Beatles. I think they're really good. And uh, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson had a way of capturing that audience. And there was no doubt that love towards him was because they loved what he sang. Yeah. He did it so well, and boy, the band behind him was just tremendous. Yeah, and it's funny. My wife, my wife really enjoyed listening to Michael Jackson, yes. Yes. Yeah, it was a shame how he died, but it's not unusual for people with a lot of money and in that situation to die from drugs, etc. And why they do that is beyond me. I mean, there's no way that somebody could sell me drugs simply because they're not free. Yeah. Plus, I now, White Castle, White Castle hamburgers, you might fall for, right, Tom? <laughs> well, not only did I visit White Castle twice in the last week, but I asked my wife, uh, what do we have to eat at home? She said, well, we do have some frozen White Castles from a few months ago. <laughs> And so guess what I had when I got home? <laughs> I can I don't have to guess. <laughs> but Consumer Reports had a list of all the restaurants indicating what were the best for meat. And there were five levels and White Castle was in the fourth level. No kidding. The meat that they get is sometimes fed with things that Consumer Reports thought was inappropriate. So it's good to know. So I only eat a half a sandwich at a time. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. What I miss is when we used to have Wes come in and we would go to Steak and Shake. Yes. Maybe we can do that again sometime. Yes. Yeah. Every now and then he's able to get into town, and we'll have to wait and see that. So are you going to use this hymn for Sunday? Uh, I've already made that decision. Yes, we're going to use that, right. Excellent. I think we're going to use it before the sermon. Yes, because it really gives the motivation why we practice practice sanctification because God wants to take care of us. That's wonderful. Yeah, God God loves a cheerful giver. Well... Well, in fact, he loves he loves us all. Yes, but he wants us he wants us to give gladly and cheerfully, not grudgingly. 
Yeah, that word love there doesn't mean that he doesn't love you if you're not a cheerful giver. Right. The word right. love is better translated is that God appreciates a cheerful giver. That's right. Because he still loves even the uncheerful givers. That's called sin. Yeah. And even that is forgiven by the blood of Christ. That's right. So there's a lot in this hymn that can be brought into a sermon. What text are you preaching on? Oh, I'm preaching on the Old Testament, Jeremiah. Oh, yes. Yeah, Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 18 to 20. And that's really good. I'm going to be preaching on James. James. I preached on James last Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, What they do with the epistle, it's an ongoing reading from the previous Sundays. Right. Right. The, I've always been told that the Old Testament, the Old Testament always ties in with the gospel. Right. And and uh, they, those two always have something in common. The epistle might, but not necessarily. Good point. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith. And what's your congregation you're preaching at? St. Paul's Lutheran Church out in Wildwood on uh, Highway 109. It's a great congregation. What time? Uh, Yes. Uh, Let me think. 8.30 and 10.30. This is Law and Gospel. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.